All right, if you will, head over to Matthew chapter 5 this morning. And just to kind of give you a little layout of how things are, are going right now, we'll be back in, in Luke on October 10th, and we'll be finally finishing up with that. I'm excited to get back into more expository or exposition. Um, but anyway, as you know, we've, we've been going through our core values. We're in week five of six, and so we've got this week and then one more next week. Um, at, because we're really coming around to these, these six areas, right, that we are committed to as a, a church, as a local church body that we, we believe are uh, important for us to be living for the glory of God. And so far we've dug into the means of grace, covenant family, uh, worship, and Sabbath. Last week we were looking at making disciples. Um, and today we're going to be looking at our fifth core value, which is engaged in serving the community. Um, more simply put, this is a, a love of, of neighbor. Uh, now, there's uh, many amazing passages in the scriptures that focus on serving others that we, we could do, but we are going to focus on, or I've chosen this morning to, to focus on Matthew 5, 14 through 16. Uh, and the reason being is that it shows, it just real simply shows the collective results of God's people serving others through love. It, it helps us answer, in one regard, the why we do good works. Why serve others? And so let's go ahead and, and read it, and then we will uh, dig into it a bit. So Matthew 5, beginning verse 14. This is Jesus speaking. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. The grass withers, the flower fades. <clears throat> Let's pray. Heavenly Father, uh, loving those within our covenant community is difficult, and yet you have called your beloved sheep to love the goats. You have called us to love those outside the church, even enemies. We confess that we are not strong and able for what you have called us to. And so we ask Holy Spirit to change our hearts, change our priorities, work in us. Uh, Lord, give us real-world opportunities to act out in love to others, to give of our time to the betterment of the communities you have placed us in. Oh, Lord, make us more like Jesus, as only you can. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. <clears throat> so I want you to take uh, a moment, look at the back of your bulletin, right? Uh, you might have noticed this. Hopefully you have. It's there every single week, those words right above the picture of uh, Emily and Alexia. Uh, those four words are just a succinct summary of the words that the Lord spoke in Matthew 22, 37 through 40, right? The two great commandments, uh, love God and love your neighbor. We, we desire to be a church that is committed to both of these great commandments, to deeply and wholeheartedly love the Lord our God with all our hearts, all our souls, all our minds, and also to generously and graciously love our neighbors. Um, when those two loves are genuine in our hearts, when they are lived out in our actual actions, then a community that is often skeptical about Christianity uh, will begin to see, will begin to feel the impact of the grace of God as it's played out in the lives of his people. Our neighbors, right, I mean, who are our neighbors? They may literally be the people who live next door to you. 
They might also be your friends, your classmates, your co-workers, your teammates, some stranger in need. They may be someone who is absolutely obnoxious and, and lazy. It might be someone who hates you for reasons you don't understand. That's your neighbor. Now let's look at Matthew 5. Uh, verse 14 here, right? Just jump right into it. Uh, Jesus says to his disciples, you are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Now that first word, you there, at the very start is one of my favorite things to point out to you if you're around here much, right? Uh, verse 14, it's not singular, it's plural. Uh, and, and so of course the proper translation of this would really be all y'all are the light of the world. That's the right way to say that. And that would begin to make sense because it's a group of people here. Now, for the sake of Amy and her Northeastern weirdos, uh, you could also put it this way, you guys are the light of the world. That would also properly take, take the, the Greek and put it into English for us. My, my point here, though, is that we collectively, as the church, uh, being informed by our Savior here, that we are the light of the world. Now, how many of you does that statement really bother you? like make you uncomfortable to say you are the light of the world because it, it does me because I kind of want to argue with, here, with Jesus here. I kind of want to push back, uh, you know, check your theology, Jesus. Uh, we're not the light of the world. You're the light of the world. You are. See, it's kind of that, that sense going on. Now, now, when we interpret scripture when, we, scripture, when we seek to understand what God's word says, there are some, some basic procedures that will help us to do so faithfully. And one of those is that we let scripture interpret scripture. What, what that means is this. It means that if you're looking at a passage, um, it means that you look at a passage that is much easier to understand when you're trying to, to understand a passage that's more difficult to understand. And so I do want us to look at something here, right, to, to the Gospel of John. You can flip over if you want, uh, chapter 8. Uh, the Gospel of John, to just shed a little bit of light on this passage. And in John 8, 12, Jesus says, I am the light of the world. That's where we get it from. That's why it makes us so uncomfortable when Jesus later says that we're the light of the world, right? He says, whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. You will have the light of life. Do you follow Jesus Christ? Do you confess him in your heart? Do you, do you profess him with your mouth to be your savior? If so, then you are filled with the Holy Spirit and according to Jesus, your savior here, you now have the light of life. Still, you, you might think, but, but we're not a light source ourselves, right? Jesus is the light source, um, right? We're dependent upon Jesus and, and, and that's true. That's absolutely true. We're, we're more like, um, you know those glow-in-the-dark stars that you stick up on the top of your ceiling because you want it to make it look like the outside, uh, and you turn off the lights, and they glow, and you're like, oh, there's the Big Dipper and a bunch of random ones because I didn't know anything else. Uh, that kind of situation, they're lights, right? They, they shine in the darkness, and, and, and yet their fuel is coming from something else. You have to turn a light on, let them charge, and then, and then they wear out. By the time dawn's coming around, dawn, yeah, no, yep, dawn comes around. Uh, anyway, they stop glowing. They, they go away. So, so when Jesus says that we are the lights of the world, he's saying this because we have union with Christ through, you know, through faith. In, 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 in verse 15 of our, our Matthew passage here, Jesus is, is building on this and, and he's pointing out another reality. He says, nor do people light a lamp and, and put it under a basket but on a stand and it gives light to all the house or in all the house. Uh, again, this is just a simple analogy that Jesus is laying out here. If, if someone goes to the trouble to actually light a lamp, they are not going to then go hide it under something. Very significant thing to light a lamp, very expensive thing to do and just, oh, stick it around. Uh, you know, put something over it where you don't see it. 
uh, what would be the point in doing that to begin with? And, and so Jesus is, is giving those illustrations, both of them, and, and then he tells us the point of the illustrations in verse 16. Look at it there. He says, In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. You understand this? Our lives lived under the Lordship of Christ is a light to the world. When we give of ourselves and serve others, others begin to see Christ through us. That's not the same as saying that's the gospel, right? That is something that has to actually be stated, but they begin to see the light of Christ in that regard. Consider it this way. It is, it is very difficult to look at the sun. You've probably had an adult at some point in your life when you're younger telling you, don't stare at the sun, you'll go blind. And you do it anyway, and you realize, I can only see the dot every place I looked for a while after that, right? Uh, it'll damage your eyes. However, we can stare at the moon. You can stare at the moon all night long, even in the morning when it's still out there a little bit, right? Uh, and it's reflecting the sun's light. It will not blind you when you look at it. Uh, often those outside uh, of church, outside of any sort of Christian community, find it very difficult to look at God in more direct ways. They, they don't want to be involved in prayer groups. They don't want to come to Bible studies. They don't want to, you know, read scripture. All these things are just too churchy for them. They'll have nothing to do with God. Give you, there's all sorts of reasons why that might be, but that's reality. However, when they look and they see Christians being light in the darkness, what they see is a reflection of the light of Jesus. Now, stay with the idea of moon just for, for a moment here. Have you ever been camping on a night when there is absolutely no moon, there's no light at night, and you realize, I can't see anything? It's the moment you realize, I didn't know there was so much ambient other light in the world around me, and you can't see your hand, and you can't even kind of walk straight. Everything feels weird, and paths disappear. Um, it's creepy not being able to see anything. Uh, everything is just difficult. It's, it, anyway, we, we don't always realize that, that the moon is doing much more than just looking beautiful. It's not just there like, oh, look how beautiful the moon is tonight. It, it is reflecting the sun, and it's making an actual impact on the world. It's a benefit to everyone. It, it illuminates the world so that even in the darkness we can see a little. Now, when it comes to good works, I know that that can be a scary word for some people. Uh, there's this paranoia, right? There's this heavy burden of, oh, more work, you know, it just feels like a heavy burden. Or um, it, you can carry it out in a way that it, you, you get this sense, oh, so I have to do this for God to love me. No. That's not what we see in, here, in this passage. It's not what we see anywhere in Scripture. Your good works do not declare your goodness to God or to anyone else. Your good works declare the goodness of Jesus to others. Let me be clear on this. We, we cannot cause regeneration. That's not your job. That's not your responsibility. We, we cannot make people believe the gospel. We just can't. That is exclusively a sovereign work of God. It is God alone who can forgive sin. It is, it, is, it is only the Holy Spirit who can soften hearts and heal blind eyes. However, what, what Jesus is teaching us is that it is the responsibility of his people, we, the church, his beloved, it is our responsibility to live our lives in the grace of God so that others are challenged with the truth of the gospel. Sinclair Ferguson said it like this, it is our responsibility to shine for Jesus Christ so that others will see his salvation expressed in the flesh and blood reality of our daily lives. When we gaze at the moon, 
Maybe not every time you do it, not the first time, but at some point you, you begin to realize there must be a source for that light. It's coming from somewhere. And in that regard, the moon points us back to the, the sun, the big ball of gas sun, right? And in the same way, when an unbelieving world sees the light of Christ in our lives, we, we realize that there mu- or they realize that there must be a source for this goodness, and it points them back to the, the divine Son of God. That's why in 1 Peter 3.15, right, where we're told that we must be ready to give the hope that's within us, right? There's no hope, no one asks. There's no good works, no one wonders. I had a, a friend of mine that I, I see him every summer. Anyway, he'd lost some weight recently, and I, I thought, man, he's lost weight, and he's usually as fat as I am. I want to lose some weight. Uh, and so, of course, you, you, surely someone else has done this, right? You're like, so how did you lose the weight? And please say it's something easy. Um, and, and you just have that question. You, you, you see something that you desire, and so you want to know the source of it. What, what brought you to that? that that's the way we, we, we tend to work. That, I mean, that's just a natural way that, as humans, we function. See, we individually, but particularly as a group, as, as a body, we, we represent Jesus Christ. And, and so let's take the responsibility to, to be the light of the world our Lord has called us to be. And we, we can't simply deny, like, not me, I won't be that. I refuse to be represented that way. I think it was 28, 29 years ago now when, when NBA Charles Bar- player Charles Barkley famously had that line, I am not a role model, as if he could just, I refuse to be. And people rightly pushed back against him for saying that because he didn't get to decide if he was going to be a role model. By, by, by the, you know, the, the nature of the role that he had in the world, the, the reason there were so many kids looking up to him, the, the point was you are a role model whether you want to be a role model or not. Christian, you represent Jesus Christ in all that you do. You don't get to decide that, whether you want to or, or not. So, good works, right? This is a very broad statement. It, it's our being honest in all things. It's a biblical sexual ethic lived out. It's our using kind words and tones with people when it's possible. It's our giving of our time to serve someone else. It's our asking about someone's day. It's helping Habitat for Humanity build a house for a family in need. It's collecting food with the local food pantry. It's helping in schools and co-ops and volunteering in all sorts of opportunities. It's seeing your elderly neighbor who shouldn't be on a ladder, up on a ladder, doing something on his house, right? And, and going over there and doing what, whatever he thought he was going to do, doing it for him. It, it's those kinds of things. It, it's as simple as a, a smile or as difficult as giving of our hard-earned money to, to someone in need. But let's go a step further in our understanding of, of good works. When, when you in anger or frustration because you're going to mess up, you're not going to do this well all the time, right? When you verbally sin against somebody... Going and asking forgiveness from them. Not just to another Christian, but to someone in your workplace or wherever it might be. That, that's a good work. We, we often forget that, you know, repentance is a Holy Spirit-enabled good work that glorifies our Savior. It shows His grace. Because people who repent, people who seek forgiveness, that is not a normal thing. That's weird. That's like a ball glowing in the sky, right? A moon weird that gets your attention. They, they, they stand out in a dark world, right, that is just stubbornly self-justifying. Anyone who, who walks it back and, and humility seeks forgiveness. 
Now, now, like we said from the start, the, the overarching theme or purpose of this text is to encourage us collectively as a church to live lives that are full of good works for the glory of God. And yes, that, that means living morally. Yes, that means speaking the truth in love. Yes, that means holding to biblical values. Yes, that means opposing evil wherever we find it. And I hope you see that it also means that we joyfully serve in the communities where we live. There is this phrase that many of you have probably heard before. The phrase is in the city, for the city. It's one of those things that's become kind of cliche enough that it might annoy you at this point. Don't let that happen because it comes from Jeremiah 29.7. And the situation there is that God's people are in exile. They're in a foreign land. And, and to that situation, God is speaking to his people through the prophet. And he, and he tells them, you know what? Build houses. Plant gardens, right? Meaning you're going to be there for a while. You've got to wait for that stuff to, to come to, to harvest. Plant gardens so you can eat the produce. Go ahead and marry while you're living there. Your, your children are to be going to, you know, give them in marriage. Uh, and he tells them, do not decrease. And then God says this, but seek the welfare of the city where I have sent you into exile and pray to the Lord on its behalf and in its welfare and you will find your welfare. It means we want to be a blessing to the city that God has placed us in. It means for all the frustrations you have with how one government official is handling it or how somebody in the grocery store treats you or whatever you know, ill will you have towards the way things are being handled, it, it means that you continue to, to love Manhattan, you continue to love Wamiga or Fort Riley or wherever it is specifically you're at, the campus. And, and it means you continue to wish to see the place flourish. And we believe the presence of gospel-saturated men, women, and children is how the flourishing best happens. Part of this is, is being present in the communities that God has placed you in. When we were first working through these core values, it didn't take long to realize that it was important to us that, that, that we didn't become a completely self-centered self -centered as, a, as a church community where we only cared about ourselves, right? We, we read Galatians 6.10 last week or maybe the week before it was, recently anyway. Um, as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone and especially to those of the household of faith. And so we want to be a covenant family that serves and loves each other not just well, but, but that does so absolutely amazingly to each other, but not only each other. Not only each other. And one way that we could do that as a church is to start some specific ministry and, and build it up, right? Uh, we could do that, but we realize early that, that that's easily become about ourselves, that easily makes us come back into this building for one little thing. Uh, and, and so we decided that we would be a congregate, congregation that joins with the wider community to serve the needs of the wider community. And, and this means that we find existing communities uh, and, and organization, or ministries and organizations and we learn how we can serve them, how we can join with them to, to meet those needs. And here's why. It does two wonderful things. The first is this. We get to meet, meet serve, right, uh, very clearly identified needs in the community. And second, we get to be salt and light to both those people that we are serving and also those people that we are serving alongside with. Let me give an example. Say, say you, you serve at the community meal, 
You're making food and you're serving it to those in need and you get to interact with those people. You get to be a light in that regard. But you also, as you spend that time in the kitchen making food and cleaning things up, you get to know the other people that are serving there with you. They might be there for all sorts of reasons. Half of them are there because they have to sign off on some community service at school, right? Uh, but, but they learn, you know, they learn what motivates you. You're not signing off on anything. It's, it's just, you know, the, the grace that God has shown you has, has moved you to desire to, to serve in your community, to serve others. You get to talk about Jesus one way or another. Maybe you're just asking a bunch of questions to them to really get to know them. Maybe they start asking you questions. You, you get to, you know, it just sets it up. It just tees it up, softball hit, uh, you know, for you to be able to talk about who Christ is, about the love of Christ, about the forgiveness that they need. They see your good deeds. That's light. They learn the source of that light is God. Listen, the, the greatest testament to the work God is doing through the ministry of this covenant family is when people encounter you and they see someone who genuinely loves God and selflessly loves their neighbor. That's the greatest testament ever. And I, and I mean that because you, you realize Manhattan Prez will not be around forever. And don't, don't let that worry you. That's not, we're not doing anything crazy. But you think about the, all, the plant, all the churches that the Apostle Paul planted. I'm unaware of a single one of those existing. But the ministry that went through that, the, the, the work that God did through that body, continued on through people. We're, we're within the line still experiencing that today. You see, when, you, when we show hospitality and, hospitality and generosity and simple kindness and, and even or maybe especially when we seek forgiveness because we've sinned against others and our, and our selfishness or pride, that, that's when the gospel becomes visible and when we begin to make a, a gospel impact in the, in the communities we live in. That's why, as a church, we have intentionally tried not to create so many programs. And it's hard because there's so many things we want to do. We want to add, that sounds great. Let's do that. Let's do that. Let's do that. Right? But we're trying not to do that because uh, we don't want your entire life to be raised or lived in this bubble of the church, doing church things all the time. We, we want you to, to have that margin in your life to actually be involved in the, in the places that God has you. We want that because that's, that's light, that's gospel going out. We, we, so we write, so join 4-H and go play pickleball at the Douglas Center and you know, go on the Wednesday night bicycle rides with people here. Join the Lego robot or Japanese dance club, whatever, right? Whatever weird interest you might have. But you know, also be, be involved in these places that need servants, right? Consider how you can serve in, you know, your public school or Flint Hills Christian or, you know, join an orchestra. Are there ways you can serve through, you know, the chief homeschooling sports organization? Give your time at the, the Flint Hills Bread Basket or Shepherd's Crossing or the Women's Shelter or Habitat for Humanity or HIS, right? I don't know if you know what that stands for, Helping International Students. They're always looking for people. We, we love to see you all serving in the community and with the community for the good of the community, not in the name of Manhattan Press, but in the name of, of, of your Savior, in the name of Christ. So yeah, we, we absolutely need your service in church. We need people greeting at the door. We need someone filling communion cups and running the, the soundboard. We need someone caring for the covenant children in the nursery and leading Bible studies and cleaning up after the service and all sorts of things. We need those things. We do, but we don't want to dominate your time with you being here 
Because we wish for you, again, to have enough margin in your life to pursue opportunities and to serve outside of these walls. Truly. And so, because of the grace of God and the finished work of Christ on the cross, and because of the indwelling of the Holy Spirit within you, because of all of that, historically Christianity has been marked by people willing to die to self for the sake of others. It can still be that way. It should still be that way. Jesus himself points out that this is the kind of life that, that he models for us. And again, Jesus is our Savior, not just a model to be followed, but he is also, right, a model for us. And he says himself in, in Mark 10, 45, For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. You think about Ephesians 2, where we learn, right? This, we love it, right? This is where we learn that our redemption is this free gift of God. We learn that, that it's by grace through faith and not a result of works. Uh, we also learn that we are, you know, in the same passage, that we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Let us walk in those good works. For the sake of sharing the good news of the forgiveness of Christ, for the sake of glorifying our Savior. So like, you know, live like the Apostle Paul does, as he says in 1 Corinthians 9.19, For though I am free from all, I have made myself a servant to all, that I might win more of them. Remember our Lord speaking in Matthew 25, 35 through 40, and he equates compassion and kindness towards those in need with compassion and kindness to him, right? He tells that story. He says, for I was hungry and you gave me food. I was thirsty and you gave me drink. I was a stranger and you welcomed me. I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came to me. And then the righteous answer him saying, Lord, when did we see the hungry and feed you or the thirsty and give you a drink? And when did we see a stranger and welcome you or naked and clothe you? And when did we see the sick or in prison and we visited you? And the king will answer them, I truly, I say to you, as you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers, you did it to me. You, we could explore the scriptures on this topic forever. Let me give you just one more. He, Hebrews uh, thirteen sixteen, which says this. He says, do not neglect to do good and to share what you have. For such sacrifices are pleasing to God. Right? That's, that's this commandment that you give out, this, this advice, right? Hey, church, let me tell you this. Don't neglect to do good. Don't neglect to do good. Don't, don't neglect to share what you have. And we're told here, such sacrifices are pleasing to God. So, so what has God given you that you can share in service to others for his glory? Time, money, skills, prayer, speaking and listening. I mean, even, even on a, a Sunday morning, right, visiting a new church can be incredibly scary, but it's uh, less so when someone crosses the room and, and actually speaks to you, welcomes you. What a, what a blessing that can be, and not just to visitors, but anyone. Uh, a lot of people walk in here every Sunday, and this, uh, you know, it's like the, the cafeteria, your, your first day of sixth grade kind of thing, and you're like, where are my friends? Do I have anybody? I'm going to sit by myself. Does anyone notice me? Uh, right? So it's just simply something like, hey, 
introduce yourself or someone you know. Hey, how was your week? How's it really going? Um, one more thing. I, I'm, I'm going to be honest here. While, while preparing to preach this week, I was a, a bit discouraged uh, because I, I know you're tired. I know it. Ever since the lockdown and everything that's weighed on people for these past 18 months, uh, ever since uh, many people are, are staying home more, churches and service organizations everywhere are reporting it's hard to find volunteers, it's hard to get people to want to help, I, I can't help but wonder if, if we're like that person, because I've been that person every once in a while where I haven't run in like a year, and then I go out and I run and, uh, you know, it's a mile and you just think you're going to die from that mile, and it's so miserable that the idea of going out and doing it tomorrow, like, I don't, I don't think I'm going to do that. Um, it just sounds miserable. I, I get this sense that, that many of us are just feeling wrung out and, and the idea of doing more, of serving more, of going to something else, of even just playing or, or doing anything just sounds exhausting. And, 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 and I'm discouraged in this way. I don't want to guilt you into service. I really don't. And so don't feel that way, but I at the same time do want to in, invite you into serving. Because like the Sabbath rest we talked about a few weeks ago, it can be really life-giving. I think we forget that. Our, our family helps out with a local organization that distributes food to those in need. And it's, it's one evening a month. It's not much. It's a couple hours of my life. Um, and, and I'll tell you, the last few times I, I've seen it on the counter, I thought, ugh, it's Friday. I don't have the energy for that. We probably shouldn't go. They probably have a lot of volunteers. They don't need us. Uh, but Laura's more responsible than me, and she's like, we said we would go, we need to go. Uh, and, and the odd thing is, is really just how, how much joy the Lord always gives me in the experience. And I, I tell you that because I think I don't, that sounds like more work, more stress, more, more something I just don't have the energy for at times, and it, and it really is. The Lord just has made it a, a life-giving, joy-giving experience. Uh, so I'll, I'll share that with you, and again, I'm not trying to guilt you into going and stressing yourself out. Don't do that. That's not good for your family or anyone else. Um, now, it shouldn't surprise any of us, right? But, but it, it matches what Jesus told us, right? It's more blessed to give than to receive. Um, I, I guess what I'm saying from, from that experience, my own experience, is uh, I, I give serving others five stars. Highly recommend it. Uh, all right, last thing, for real this time. I know I already said that. Uh, we don't currently do a good job of helping facilitate this, if I'm honest. Again, we come through these, these core values and you think, well, how are we actually helping? Uh, I, I'm going to put this out there. I, I'd love for, for one of you to serve this covenant community by, by researching, making relationships, you know, getting to know some places in town and, and finding out, you know, these are the volunteer needs and, and letting everyone else know these are the needs and how we can sign up. And I don't mean like go find a thousand things and throw them all at us at once, but like in, in the coming weeks, here's an organization that need two people on a monthly basis or they need a one-time basis. Here's what it is. And, and maybe you announce it at the announcement. Here's what we're looking for. If you can help, here's the information. Um, maybe we put it in the email, something like that. Anyway, if, if you think that's an ongoing project that might uh, be something you'd be interested in, talk to me after the service or give me a call this week if you want to think about it. Uh, I want us to do better. I, I do. Um, so listen, church, we, we, we have the greatest calling in the world. We are the redeemed. We are servants of the Lord Jesus Christ. That is a wonderful place to be. As such, we are called to work together to be lights in a, in a dark world. That's a wonderful task. Uh, 
um, to sisters, brothers, let y'all's light shine so that this place that we call home sees our good deeds and gives glory to our Father who is in heaven. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we want to serve others, maybe, but we're busy people. Our hands are full with real responsibilities. Our, our schedules are bursting at the seam. Lord, teach us to live with margin. Give us the, the joy that comes from loving you by, by loving our neighbor well, even if it goes unnoticed, even if it goes under unappreciated. Father, for those of us who simply don't know what to do, we, we ask you now for wisdom on how we can fully serve others in the place that you have placed us. And may we hold loosely to our wealth and our time, to, to all that you've given us in, in this life as we look for ways to, to give and share and serve so that you are glorified. And in the strength of the Holy Spirit and in the name of Jesus, our mighty Savior, we pray. Amen.